You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Chargebacks and Technology and features experts from Chargebacks 911. So today I'm joined by Chargebacks 911. Vice President of Enterprise Engagement, Mr. David Pirtle, and joining us from our UK office, our Senior Vice President of Business Development, Ben Scrancher. We're going to introduce you all to our suite of products, help walk us through chargeback issues that are faced by many retailers, some best chargeback management processes, and what solutions might be a good fit for you and your business. So guys, with that, I'll go ahead and uh, hand the wheel over to you and let you take it away. Thank you so much, Justin. Um, So yeah, just to prep the audience today, we get asked a ton of questions by merchants on a daily basis. Um, A lot of merchants are just not aware of what Chargebacks 911 does and how we do it. So we thought that we would just put together a quick webinar, uh, low key, you know, kind of just relax, telling you about how we see merchants approach their chargeback issues, post-transaction fraud related, how they use the tools available, and then how we optimize those tools to bring the best situation to our merchants. Okay, so first off, we get asked this question quite a lot, um, is why do merchants actually automate their dispute management process? So I'll hand this over to Ben to go through some examples and what he's found, and then I'll, of course, add some of my my take on it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, David. I think when we look at um, dispute management, and a holistic chargeback management strategy. I think one of the most common things that we realize is that disputing chargebacks internally or manually is really, really complex. And there's lots of reasons for that. The slide goes through a few of them. Um, You've got different reason codes for every dispute. You've got different acquirers that send the chargebacks to the merchants in a different way, different file format. Um, You've got issuers interpreting the rules on the representment slightly differently as per the scheme rules. Um, It's hard to establish an ROI when you dispute a chargeback or there's a team of people disputing chargebacks. Um, How do we boil down the win rate to know exactly what we're winning, what it's costing us to do that, um, and therefore what is the overall activity? Is it netting us a positive impact on the business or not? Um, The other side of it is that it's really not core to a merchant's business. So you've got all that complexity, and then you've got something which really sits out of the core competency of most merchants. So what most merchants wanna be doing is focusing on how do we keep our customers happier for longer? How do we how do we attract more customers? Um, how do we grow our brand? All those sorts of things. Um, and so this really sits outside of that core competency. And so as an activity, it sits very well for a specialist technology provider who focus on that one thing, and that's the only thing that they do. Now, the merchant could choose to try and build that technology in-house themselves, or they could partner with a technology provider for it. Um, And so that's kind of, in a nutshell, the thinking that a merchant would go through in terms of what, where does this sit within their business, and should they automate it, or should they just look to keep doing it manually in the way that they've done it before? David, anything to add on that? Um, Yeah, I think... In addition, when merchants actually go against this problem and decide to tackle it, even though it is a small portion of their transactions, they do find out that because it is a human-driven activity, it's incredibly manual. So, you know, just 
looking and researching the the reason codes as they come in and deciding which ones to actually dispute and represent uh, or respond to and then actually doing research on that consumer is incredibly manual so i think you know that drives a lot of uh, merchants willingness to to automate all of this yeah i agree and i mean look, if we think about some you know some recent examples of choices merchants have made in, in terms of looking at this issue and then deciding to to automate it you've got I think, you know, two definite use cases is where a merchant gets to a certain size and they might have just been seeing chargebacks as a cost of doing business up until that point. So they may have said, look, you know, we, we've got these losses, but we just see them as refunds and we're not going to do anything about it um, because we've got far bigger things that we're focused on. But there becomes a point where that number becomes so big. And if you don't do anything about it, one of the challenges which we'll get into with this is if you don't do something about it, it tends to grow and it tends to get worse. And then you look at the number and it's five times what it was two years ago. And you say, actually, this is something we probably need to tackle now. It's, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a month that we're losing to this problem. What can we do about it? And so um, <clears throat> that's a definite use case we've seen multiple times, um, especially in fast growth industries. And another is, you know, the merchant that might be trying to fight it in-house right now. And they've got a team of people doing it, but maybe that team, they really enjoy doing it. Um, or they're finding it hard to establish whether they're winning um enough money to warrant the activity and there's also other things that they might want to focus on um and they come to us and you know they've they're they're deciding should we look at another way um and we go through uh you know what that looks like in terms of automating it the pros and cons of doing that um and and often you know in that scenario the pros outweigh the cons um for all the reasons that we've talked about right that's a good point the the trackability of all of this is just incredibly difficult to even realize the success of the team doing it so you know <clears throat> we usually find ourselves helping merchants out even realizing what what their success rate is what their roi is currently and then how that compares so so that's a good point perfect and then i think you know one of the byproducts of um disputing chargebacks it's not just the the financial um business case of saying that we've got these losses due to chargebacks let's do something about it let's do the most cost effective way in terms of what does it cost us to do it and what what are we going to win back and let's partner with best in class providers to do that one of the things is that once you start disputing chargebacks um <clears throat> you see on bullet three there you're creating friction to deter illegitimate disputes so the issuers are the ones responsible for filing the chargebacks against you and perhaps if you're not disputing chargebacks it's fairly straightforward because every time an issuer files a chargeback against you you know no representment is filed back and therefore perhaps there's some of those claims that you know shouldn't have been claims in the first place um, but if you start disputing them over the long term that's going to have a positive impact in terms of preventing the brand from being um, the, the the subject of illegitimate disputes filed against them. Um, there's some obvious ones on there as well, like your recovering revenue that would otherwise be lost. Um, you're resolving disputes based on the reason code. Um, so the, the um, losses are reduced because the, the representments that are filed are specific to the reason code that the, the chargeback is raised on. Um, and, you know, if your chargeback and risk management side of the business is well managed you're going to be a more attractive proposition for other process for, for processes um in terms of your overall cost of processing so there's there's the argument at the bottom there that you could improve 
you're standing with your processes from a risk management point of view and therefore secure better rates if you have all of the risk management side of your business dialed in. Yeah, I think that's really good points um, to understand and realize. Merchants that face this issue often just look at the transaction value that's lost and they don't really, you know, appreciate all of the effort that took to get that transaction. So when we're talking about side effects of good chargeback management, um, you're also reducing fees here. So you get penalty fees, you're reducing the management uh, of these of these chargebacks, you're reducing being a target by issuers. So like you, you hit on a little bit when you're not disputing chargebacks or not disputing chargebacks for certain reason codes or certain dollar amounts, that's just a very easy uh, a way for issuers to remedy their their consumers' request. So um, you will continue to get chargebacks for those, and you'll continue to have those chargebacks grow unless you start properly managing it. Um, and also conversion. I mean, everything that you do and put into your chargeback management uh, process, you're rewarded in different ways than just regaining that transaction value. So very good points there. Okay. So calculating win rate. Um, it's a really, really important part of the overall chargeback management process to understand what this statistic means. So it's ultimately what determines the ROI on activity. And you need to be able to demonstrate what the net win rate is. So after um, the ones that you don't fight, after the second chargeback, what is the overall amount of dollars that you're left with relative to the total exposure that you started with. That's that's ultimately ultimately what we're looking at here. David, maybe you wanna um, walk through this uh, this equation and, how, and why it's important. Yeah, of course. So when we look at win rates at chargebacks number one, we determine what you refer to as a net win rate. This is really just, if you get a hundred chargebacks in, how many are you actually getting recovered or respond to and, and win that? dispute. Um, this is important for many reasons. You know, you want to push this win rate up uh, so that you can get lower chargebacks. Uh, of course, you want to get more revenue back. You know, that's a positive, uh, of course. But it also really just determines your ROI for your effort putting into this activity, as does for your third-party vendor that you choose. So a lot of uh, competitors out there and other companies that, you know, we talk to when they're dealing with those companies, uh, they, they really you know go off of what they dispute. So a lot of reason codes, unless you know what you're doing, is really not successful at getting overturned because they don't understand the complexity of the, the problem. So they may not even dispute certain reason codes. Uh, as for in-house teams, same thing. They may find that a certain dollar amount or you know a certain reason code is very difficult to win. So when looking at your dispute rate and your win rate and your second chargebacks, it really gives you a holistic view of your success. So it's very, very important to realize, you know, this actual net recovery rate, especially when talking to a third-party vendor, because that's going to let you know, you know, your ROI. So how we determine this is if there's a hundred chargebacks that come in, how many do you respond to? So that's your average response is your dispute rate. Uh, if that's 50%, which is pretty average that we see, um, then even if you win 100% of those, your win rate is only 50% at that point. Um, and then if you consider your second you know, cycle chargebacks, just say that's 50%. So after you've won that dispute, 
and uh, maybe the consumer opens it back up for whatever reason, uh, say that's 50%. Well, that makes your net win rate 25%. Now, a lot of companies and a lot of in-house teams will only track what they represent. So if you were tracking what you represent as a you know third-party vendor or an in-house team, then you know if you only track your, your responses and your wins out of those responses, then it could look like you have a 95% win rate because you're picking the very easy chargebacks to represent uh, or maybe worth your time to represent and then tracking that activity and not looking at the holistic view. So that's why we like to go over this. I walk through you know, this strategy or this uh, calculation with merchants all the time just to get a baseline. Um, and they really appreciate the thought process that goes into it. And even if you do look at this net recovery rate, um, a lot of times it's very difficult to actually reconcile that process. So merchants don't even know, you know how to go about doing this. There could be formatting issues. They could be working with five different acquirers. Um, but this is something that Chargebacks number one does. Uh, we review this on a quarterly basis as they come in and we make sure that we are very transparent in the success of what we do. Okay, so now prevention tools. So there are ways outside of just prevention tools and services to prevent chargebacks. We hit a little bit on that with tackling how you manage your chargebacks, understanding that process. You can get organic prevention through that activity, but you know, friendly fraud, uh, that dreaded term that's in the industry is getting better. Uh, you know, we're, we're understanding that it's a problem um, and there, there's at least some buy-in from some networks and some, you know, card brands to bring some better tools to the, to the ecosphere of chargeback prevention. So of course, chargebacks number one, we provide all of these tools, but a lot of times we find it's very confusing for merchants to understand how they work, when to use them, and you know what they're actually built built for. So Ben, I'll let you give a, an overview of, of the prevention and why it's important. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. So the um, the way these tools are designed is that the normal way a dispute goes through. So you think about a dispute is raised, um, the cardholder calls their issuing bank, they give a reason as to why they're disputing a transaction, the issuer hears that, they raise a chargeback through the card scheme, the merchant receives a chargeback notification from their acquirer, and they then have to decide whether they think it's legitimate or not, or then defend the chargeback. In that normal process, um, the issuer might not have had enough data to determine whether the claim was legitimate or not, and they raised the claim based on what they were told by the customer. So they're at an information disadvantage to the merchant who has all the data around the transaction and can actually read when it comes through, can actually see it and go, hang on, this isn't a valid dispute because of X, Y, and Z. So what these tools aim to do is solve that problem, um, but also some others. So what they allow is they allow, instead of the issuer to raise a chargeback through the card scheme, it then goes to the merchant like we just talked about. Instead of that, the issuer can send a notification through one of these networks. So through either a network um, of Verify, which is owned by Visa, or the network of Ethica, which is owned by MasterCard. And the merchant can then receive a notification that says refund this transaction and it won't become a chargeback. Um, or they can receive uh, an inquiry through a tool like Order Insight um, or Consumer Clarity that allows them to provide information through an API back to the issuer 
so that the issuer has more information on the transaction and perhaps won't go ahead and raise a chargeback. So these tools achieve a number of things. One, they allow the merchant to stop chargebacks from happening before they're raised. So if it is a valid chargeback and it's a, a case of fraud, the, the merchant can refund the customer really early within the dispute cycle, make the customer happier, not get a chargeback fee from their acquirer, not get a chargeback statistic on their ratio with the card schemes, and overall have a better experience for their customer. And the other thing it can prevent is it can prevent um, these friendly fraud type claims with the, the order insight and consumer clarity products that I was talking about is they allow you actually to stop some of the friendly fraud and get, get some of that out of the, uh, the ecosystem. <clears throat> because once a chargeback's raised and it's represented by the merchant, everyone's really lost out at that point. Um, there, there's obviously ways to reduce the loss for the merchant in terms of fighting the chargeback, but the issuers raised a chargeback that they perhaps wouldn't have done if they had more information. The merchants got fees from their acquirer. They've had to dispute a chargeback, which takes time and energy. So even if they win it, they, they're still losing money on that transaction overall, most likely. So um, these tools really, um, in a nutshell, they've got, they, they prevent some of the first party fraud that occurs right now, some of the uh, friendly fraud that occurs right now. Um, and they also put the issuer in a much better position in terms of the information they have on a transaction before a chargeback's raised um, to, to um, create a better experience for everyone in the ecosystem. Right. So uh, in a nutshell, it might be a little bit confusing or daunting when looking at all of these tools. So I am actually going to walk you through some some scenarios that, you know, my merchants uh, use these tools and how I explain when they should be used. Um, there are a lot of options today on, on what's out there. You know, there's that information transfer, there's the preemptive notifications, but uh, here at Chargebacks 911, we help our merchants realize, um, you know, what situation they're in and when to use these tools because obviously there is a cost associated to these tools and services so we want to have the best situation for our merchants to be in so i'll start with that information transfer so visa and mastercard have come up with you know a a pre-chargeback representment if you will um so there is a way to submit the information that you've collected on that consumer during the transaction back to the issuing bank as that dispute is happening. So that's very important because Ben talked about the information that the issuer has is really just reliant on what the consumer is telling them. So they base that reason code and they base that chargeback submission off of what that consumer is saying. And a lot of times we know consumers may not be as honest as we'd like them to be. Um, so this is just a way to provide that data in real time that you've collected to prove that this is a legitimate transaction. So order insights and consumer clarity can be thought of just as a pre-charge back representment before the actual dispute is filed. Um, so it happens in real time. There's a connection to the order data that you have, and we're able to provide this back within one second. Um, so this is a really, really, really good tool for friendly fraud. So false claims, it gives the issuer all the data that you collect that they can make a better decision. Um, and on average, we see about a 20% reduction through just providing this information up front rather than waiting for that chargeback to come through. So benefits of this would be a lower chargeback rate, lower fees, retaining that transaction value, a better reputation with the issuers. So this is a win-win all around. And I see all of my merchants want to use this tool. 
So even, you know, your lower risk merchants that may not have a threshold issue with the card brands or their processing, they would still want to use this because it's just a really good way to prevent chargebacks. Um, high risk merchants, same thing. So obviously they're trying to prevent uh, chargebacks any way that they can because they do have threshold uh, reaching problems with their processor or the card brands. And this is just an additional tool in their toolbox. This is probably the least expensive and most affordable way to prevent a chargeback with tools and services out there. So it will work in pretty much any situation, any ticket amount um, that you're dealing with or chargeback dispute value uh, and you know penalty fees. So it's a great tool. I love to use it. It's suggested to any merchant that has a chargeback problem. This is actually being enhanced as this tool is, is going on. So part of what Visa is doing is they're looking and analyzing every reason code and they're saying, okay, well, if the merchant has collected this information and we can get it back to the issuer, well, it maybe not should be filed for this reason code. So compelling evidence 3.0 as a part of the order insights program by Visa, it allows us to give certain key pieces of information collected during the transaction to the issuer and then it actually just brought, blocks the rights for that issuer to file a chargeback for fraud. So they're starting with 10.4, which is a fraud reason code. And it's just non-biased then. It's the merchant collected the information. This is not allowed to be filed for a chargeback for, for fraud. So you'll see these enhancements coming out. Um, you know, it's only going to get better now that friendly fraud is, you know, a, a real problem, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we actually enhance our products along with that. So so wonderful program. I can talk about it all day long. It's only going to get better, but it's just a real-time information transfer and it's built for any merchant. So moving on to alerts. So alerts have been around for a while. I think they've been around for what, 12 years, 13 years now. And uh, primarily this is provided by Ethica and Verify. Chargebacks 911 also has some proprietary relationships with issuers to get some some alert notifications um, and prevent some chargebacks outside of those two networks. But essentially you can think of this program as uh, a direct relationship with an issuer. So we and the networks, uh, you know, Ethic and Verify have went out to individual banks, issuers and said, hey, we have merchants that would just give a refund, solve this issue very quickly if you just give us a notification. So they opt in for the program. We then pass that notification to the do the merchant or manage that notification on behalf of the merchant. And if a refund is given, it prevents the chargeback. So this is a good way to manage your true fraud, um, you know, chargebacks. Uh, you can go ahead and give a refund, then, you know, getting and accepting that penalty and then having to deal with a chargeback coming in. Um, and it, it improves your reputation. It, it has a lot of benefits. They're a little bit more costly because there's a little bit more involved in that notification. Uh, than the other programs. So we usually see merchants that are breaching thresholds with their processor or card brands use these type of tools. So if if revenue is not, not the problem here, you know, from a chargeback loss standpoint, if risk or the exposure to chargebacks is the problem, that is when we see these tools usually used by the merchant. Um, and also it requires a refund. So, you know, that's just an additional uh, thought to, to consider during this. So then we have RDR, so Rapid Dispute Resolution. This is the new refund kit on the block. Um, it has some benefits to it. Uh, MasterCard is soon 
soon to do their own version of this, but um, this is a visa program. It's, it's rapid dispute resolution. And instead of having individual relationships with issuers, doing all that legwork, every issuer through Visa has the ability now to request a refund. So that has its benefit. You, you get better coverage, better exposure. Uh, it's still an opt-in program for them to request a refund. But the benefit with this program is it's, it's pretty affordable. So um, it can be very, very affordable uh, depending on your MCC code, so your merchant category code. That determines your cost. But essentially, what you can do is instead of giving a blanket refund, uh, you can just set up roles. Or maybe you go through that process with the alerts. You, you have roles for your team, refund in this case, not refund in this case. You can just automate that process through the RDR program, set up those roles, and then those roles are approved um, automatically. So, so this is a very non-manual uh, refund option that you could go through. And this could be for high risk and low risk merchants. So considering the fees that go along with the chargeback penalties, uh, what your cost is, we look at all of that when we suggest this, this product. And if the cost of this refund tool is lower than your penalty fees, for an example, then you may opt in to use this program. So, you know, if you're you know getting a $15 penalty fee, but this program, it costs you $5 to give a refund, then say that you're accepting certain reason codes or you're not disputing chargebacks for a certain you know price point. Well, you can just set that roll up in RDR, give the refund and have some cost savings there. So that's an example of how low risk use this tool. For high risk, of course, they're just trying to get rid of all chargebacks altogether. <laughs> they can't afford the absorption of those chargebacks. So they're typically gonna be a little bit more liberal with their chargeback rolls or refund rolls rather. And they'll set up rules to say, okay, I'm just going to refund everything. So it can be a selective product. It can enhance your alert program. Um, but it's just one more tool in your bucket that you can use uh, to prevent chargebacks and the management and fees that go along with that. It's an awesome program. It's becoming very, very popular. Um, and we have tons of merchants using it. So um, yeah, good program. Like I said, MasterCard's coming out with their own version, hopefully. Hopefully this year, we'll say, cross our fingers, uh, and we'll be a part of that program as well. And uh, last but not least, so there is one other you know, way that you can technically prevent chargebacks with notifications, and that's TC40 and safe data. So the card brands do have fraud reports out there. You can get access to these fraud reports uh, yourself. Through your acquirer, the problem is it's not in real time. So it's usually lagging. Um, it's usually a little bit hard to access. So we provide that on behalf of our merchants. And if our merchants wanted to get in front of a fraud you know, problem with their consumers, they can enhance their, their prevention with these, these notifications. And essentially, it doesn't mean that you know, your transaction has been disputed. It doesn't mean your transaction is going to be disputed. This is a report that says, hey, there's been a fraud instance reported on this consumer's card. So if you wanted to be very aggressive or just very, very proactive of getting wrapped up in that fraud instance, which we know a lot of transactions do, you can use these notifications to maybe cancel future subscription charges uh, just to say, okay, there, this card's probably going to be shut down or, you know, I don't want to get mixed up in this. I can just proactively cancel any future uh, charges to that and then prevent future fraud exposure. Likewise, you can just go ahead and give a proactive refund. So if you wanted to just say, okay, I just don't want to get involved in this fraud instance, 
I'm just going to be a nice merchant and go ahead and give a proactive refund. That way, I know it's not going to be disputed. My consumer is going to be happy. Um, you can do that as well. So I know these tools are very, very confusing, um, but that's what we're here for. We have done this many, many times, <laughs> excuse me, many, many times with our merchants, help them understand what, what tools right for them. And, and you can get it in one spot. So if you have any questions, definitely reach out because it can be a little bit confusing and they're only going to be adding certain features and more advancements to these tools as time goes on. Okay, so this is a really key and um, extremely valuable part of our product. And I'd say it's the, the the third piece of the puzzle. So we talked about representments, we talked about alerts and prevention. Now we're going to talk about the, the way that we use data. Um, and because we've got access to so much data now because of the number of merchants we deal with and because of the FI connections that we have, which we'll, we'll talk about later, um, we're able to really provide meaningful insights to our merchants to help them realize where chargebacks might be coming from and what they can do to stop those chargebacks happening uh, in the future. And the way we do that in a really, really popular part of our product is um, our ERT notifications. So they stand for error, risk and threat notifications. And what they do is they um, look at the merchant's data and they might look at, um, you know, comparative data. So they're looking at how does this merchant's data compare to um, what the aggregate data shows for this specific profile. And we're saying what within their data looks strange. So, for example, if we saw that 30 percent of their chargebacks were coming because customers were complaining that they were promised a refund and they didn't get a refund. Um, and that statistic we saw on an aggregate level should be around 12%. We would send them a notification and we would say, hey, this statistic looks strange. It's 30%. The industry average is 12%. Why are you almost three times higher? And we would say a common cause is this, and this is what you need to do about it. And then one of our account managers would also be um, on hand to help guide them through the ERT process. And they range from ones like that to very simple ones that say, hey, your descriptor, what's showing on a customer's bank statement is has been augmented and it's difficult for a customer to see what they bought, uh, sorry, see who they bought from or um, who they should talk to if they've got an issue with that transaction. And that can lead to customers calling their bank instead of calling the merchant, which can lead to more chargebacks. So really, really popular part of the product. Um, it's a data interpretation tool that's really grown over the years in, in, um, in its use. And I, I think back to one, Example, I'll never forget it. We had a very large retailer um, in the US who um, had a fraud committed on their website where someone was using a bin that wasn't being blocked by the fraud filter. And it was the only bin that wasn't being screened. And they they bought, I think it was like 141 Star Wars laptops within 12 hours. And we were able to identify that really, really quickly because chargebacks were being filed straight away. And they closed that loop, I think within like instantly as soon as they knew about it from us but i think it was within like 48 hours of the first transaction so we're able to resolve um you know a potentially really really large fraud loss very very quickly through the chargeback data and through what we identified through that um the other the other really important um piece here is that consolidating the data so if you think about the trend towards multi-acquiring um, and, uh, you know, almost every merchant we speak to now on an enterprise level is multi-acquired because they use different acquirers in different geographies because of better approval rates with, um, you know, different acquirers in different regions that they sell in. And uh, that leads to 
you know, lots of data that's difficult to analyze if you don't centralize it and then normalize it. And our platform does that automatically. And then we have an API, we have webhooks that allow them to ingest all of that data, all the chargeback data in a normalized format, all of the alert data in a normalized format, and then feed that into any of their reporting tools internally so that they can then report on it, um, run financial models based on it, um, and get a much better, better view on the overall chargeback and, um, and, and risk part of the business. Um, it's also really useful for, for the fraud filter um, that they might be using. So any screening that they're doing pre-transaction can be optimized and, and different rules created based on the chargeback data. So the chargeback data is a great feed um, to enhance what's being done on the front end of the transaction. Yeah, I think this is probably my favorite part of Chargebacks 911, and only Chargebacks 911 can do this the way that we do it um, because of the data that we have access to. It, and it's free, so this is awesome too. Uh, we should actually start charging for this. But um, so I love this tool because it allows departments to speak to each other. So a lot of times fraud is segmented and separate from any other you know activity in the organization. They're faced with a massive daunting task of understanding their data, what it means, trending, you know, interpreting inaccurate data, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, up to 40% of chargebacks come from merchant error. This means activity that's happening at the merchant level is influencing consumers to go to their bank rather than to come to them for resolution. So I love this because it could identify customer service issues. It could defend, uh, identify, you know, refund issues with their software. It could identify lots of things that, you know, the fraud team may not even have transparency into. Um, and then we can pick that up through our data. So just like the timing that you, you know, had an example with that retailer, um, we look at, you know, certain stats. How fast should a consumer actually be filing chargebacks or how slow should this happen? So this program, the ERTs, working with a third-party vendor that has data access like we do, allows you to live outside of just your trending data and then understand the actual source of these chargebacks. Um, so I love this. It actually just gives you examples without having any intelligence on the data. You can just say, okay, we've identified a trending metric in your data and this is what it means. And these are some examples of how, how to fix it. So I think our, our you know, initial uh, you know, prevention rate with this in the first 60 to 90 days is about 9%. And this program helps us to, to do this. So, you know, like you gave some examples, it's really important to understand what is the reality and the source of your chargebacks to understand how you can prevent future, you know, chargebacks without converting or, or hindering your conversion. Um, for an example, if you were considering just reason codes uh, fraud and then pushing that into your fraud filter, your fraud filter is actually going to identify that certain, you know, transaction values related to fraud. But if you represent it and uh, identify that it's not fraud, it's actually just you know friendly fraud, then you should actually re remove that transaction type from your you know front end fraud filter so that you can have a better you know uh, front end process. So fewer false declines, better conversion, because a lot of this, like I said, is going to be friendly fraud or merchant error. So if you have a way to identify that, you're only going to enhance the rest of your company. So again, could talk all day on this, but Realistically, this this you know requires massive amounts of data on consumers. So working with you know forty five thousand direct merchants uh, and a couple million plus through our resellers, 
um, chargebacks 911 it has really the upper hand and that separates us from the class. So, um, and unfortunately, you can't do this with your merchant data. You have to live outside of your merchant data and compare yourself to what's normal. So it does take collaboration on this part, um, but it's, it's an exciting thing that we get to do as a company. Okay, so how we achieve accurate dispute reconciliation and why it's important. So, you know, over the years, we've been in business now since, uh, well, for about 12, 12, 13 years now. So um, over that time, we've we've built really strong relationships, um, both through our CB911 brand, we established, you know, lots of integrations with all of the different PSPs, acquirers that we needed to. And we've now got over a thousand just based on having merchants in every part of the world. Um, but also through our FI brand, which we'll talk about at the end um, and how that impacts the merchant business. Um, so, you know, you think if you're a global merchant and you have chargebacks coming from lots of different acquirers all over the world, it's really, really difficult to get all of that data into one place so that you can do something with it. And then it might be even more difficult if you actually want to dispute some of those chargebacks because you have to do it individually to each of the different acquirers or PSPs that you're using in each of the different countries that you sell in. And so what all these integrations allow is not just consolidating the data and then the reporting implication of that that we've talked about, but they also allow the merchant to be able to dispute chargebacks. We have a self-service tool that they can use. We have an API that they can use to dispute chargebacks in all of the different areas that they're selling in through one connection. And the more data we have, the more refinement that our models can um, can uh, benefit from, which is only going to make the product better over time. So yeah, so chargeback segment one, we actually have lots of lots of legs into additional information. So we use about 22 external data feeds. We collect information outside of what the, the merchant has themselves. We enhance that data. So you know, this is just a, a quick view of of that data. Um, consolidation effort that that we do to normalize and standardize all of our chargeback data. And as you can see, um, we do work with consumers. We've worked with issuing banks, acquiring banks. We understand the workflows that go into that, how to build the cases based on their policies. So, um, you know, dealing with a very complex issue, having these integrations uh, greatly improves the result. Um, and, and like Ben said, we have over a thousand. Perfect. So our FI911 brand, um, is the brand that supplies uh, technology to and software to um, the different financial institutions within the ecosystem. So primarily we're on the acquiring side and um, what that allows is just a sheer volume of cases that flow through our system and um, the understanding of that data um, from all the different participants in the ecosystem, from the issuer to the card scheme to the acquirer and a real fully comprehensive understanding of that data and also the depth of data that we deal with allows us to refine the products um, for the merchant based on that insight. So not only do we benefit from, um, you know, seeing all the trends within the data and how that then translates to the merchant side of the business, um, but we also, you know, in terms of the different connections that we have can refine the, the, the merchant proposition and the merchant um, products based on those connections. Right. So, you know, understanding the teams, what they like to see at the issuing bank level, understanding the responsibilities and, you know, workflow at the acquiring level. Um, this is just a really complex situation when you dive into it and it's human human driven. So it, it's room for interpretation, um, which is, you know, a lot of what our machine learning understands in the background as we get results in. 
we tweak our cases. Um, you know, we we rely on the acquirers and you know their understanding and their workflow for acceptance. So um, there's a, there's a lot to it, but you know our FI nine one one solutions enhance our CB nine one one products uh, substantially. And yeah, so the more that we can do, the more buy in we have, the more results we get. All right. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, David, so much. Um, like I said before, we're going to move into the Q&A portion. Um, I know we had some some questions from folks who are attending. And again, we have attendees from all over the world. So apologies if I butcher anyone's name by chance. But yeah, let's uh, dive into the questions and uh, see what answers you guys have for us. So our first question comes from Stuart. And he asks, how do you manage RDR and Order Insights? So I had some some input on RDR and Order Insights in the alert um, section of this or the prevention section of the webinar. So I think we've we've explained you know pretty much the the benefits of this program, but really it just boils down to your fees. It boils down to your risk exposure to chargebacks and how you want to um, you know prevent those chargebacks. But primarily, I think both tools have a a you know good value in any case depends on how you optimize that on the front end um, with the prevention and order insights and the information you're providing and how you set your roles on rdr so uh, unfortunately not a straight straightforward answer because it just depends on your your situation with your chargebacks all right our next question is from mohi and he asks what are the latest and upcoming changes regarding chargeback management? I think one thing that we're seeing some particular interest in right now is the changes that are coming through with um, Order Insight and the Compelling Evidence 3.0 component within Order Insight that David talked about earlier, which allows you effectively to transfer information to an issuer at the point they're raising a chargeback through an API um, that we're connected to. And um, through that, you can prove that the customer has bought from you before and it's the same customer that is now disputing. And if you can do that, you stop the issuer from being able to raise a fraud chargeback. So for merchants concerned not only about chargeback rates, but also fraud rates and the, the fraud monitoring programs as well, it's likely that that product will have a positive impact on both of those two things. Um, the cur it's currently in beta. It should be live for general availability in a few months' time and we're within the beta. So um, we'll be letting everyone know once that product's live and ready to go. Let's see, our next question is from Kristen. She asks, we've won several chargebacks. However, when the customer disputes again, it goes to pre-arbitration and our payment processor says, it is highly unlikely that they'll win. Do you have a recommendation for these? Kristen, this this is a problem. By the way, I love, love how you spell your name. Um, but so listen, with these complex workflows and policies, there's probably something within your casework that you're not providing that is closing out that case as a win and the consumer is able to reopen it. So they can't just reopen a case because they want to. That would be <laughs> that would be very bad. But, you know, when we come to a merchant and we start handling chargebacks, the way that we prevent second chargebacks or at least lower that because there's always going to be a situation where you're going to get some is we really properly respond back and represent that dispute on our first cycle so we try to close it out we understand the policies you know based on the card brand the reason code the transaction type the issuer that's reviewing it and we just really understand how to close it out as we prepare that case and then format that case for acceptance and, you know, review at the issuing bank level. So um, 
I, I don't really have recommendations because you're just going to have to do a little bit more research on the reason codes and the things that you're getting um, and what to supply as part of that, that process and what policies that govern that. Um, but know that it can be achieved. You just have to represent that first re you know, response uh, properly. All right. So this, our next question goes to, let's say, it's, it's Gian. They ask, what's the best practice for restaurants to prevent card not present fraud? Okay, um, Gian, the thing that we often see with restaurants is, um, you know, a lot of restaurants are moving to the model of order online, pick up in store, um, or they might be doing something with delivery. And it's quite, it's a completely new part of the business for them. So they're used to, you know, customers coming in, having their card on them when they pay, um, collecting the food at the counter and paying at the same time. And so this is relatively new. So really, it's about looking at the whole customer experience and looking at everything from pre-transaction um, screening and what are you doing pre-transaction to post-transaction um, dispute management and uh, chargeback prevention on that side as well. So a lot of the um, QSRs that that we that we work with um, have really gone through that journey. Um, and, you know, they've looked at what's the best in class fraud filter that we can use that has experience in this vertical. We'll definitely say experience in the vertical is key. Um, and what else should we be doing pre-transaction to stop these customers that, that might be um, committing fraud? And then post-transaction, you know, we, they probably didn't even know about chargebacks before because everything was card present. And so it's a real new part that they're not exposed to at the moment um, or and, and so it's understanding, you know, firstly, what is a chargeback? Why would we get them? How can we stop them from happening? Um, when we do get one, how do we dispute them? Because they're not going to have a chargeback um, dispute team in-house because they've never needed to before. So I would say best practice is to go out and to speak to technology providers in each of those two areas and work out who has experience within this particular vertical, um, ask them for the results that they've shown in that particular vertical, and then um, assess which which solutions work best for your business and, and move forward from there. I think if you were to try and tackle a lot of these things in-house at the same time as building this new part of the business in a card not present environment, I think that would be too challenging. So I'd definitely say, you know, lean towards partnering with a technology provider in any area where you feel there can be a benefit. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, collaboration is key here, whether it's with a third-party vendor or peers in your space. There is a massive steep learning curve, card not present fraud. Primarily, this is going to be related to friendly fraud. So, you know, thinking about your customer's journey, like Ben said, thinking about, you know, your communication efforts, like when the order's ready, when can they pick up? Are you satisfied? How, how you communicate that? All of this goes into, you know, your exposure to card not present fraud. Um, so, yeah, um, cut the learning curve and just get advice. I mean, lean on your peers, lean on third-party vendors. That's why we're all here. Um, and it could re reduce that exposure. All right, and as we come up to the end of our hour, this is gonna be our last question. Um, Eva asks, what is the future prognosis on MasterCard having something similar like Visa's RDR program? It's gonna happen. Uh, we just don't know when yet. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, I think Visa or MasterCard is gonna put all of the chargebacks on hold for a certain period of time. And if you're part of the acquire collaboration program, either directly or through a facilitator like us, you'll be able to lean into that notification and decide whether you're going to give a refund. Um, so 
uh, that refund, of course, will prevent the chargeback from happening. So I think it's going to be slightly different than the RDR program, um, but it's still going to be a refund opportunity. And yeah, just not quite sure when it's going to be ready. That's right. Yeah. So it's um, the, the good news is if you're participating in Ethica, you'll automatically participate in the new um, component within that, that that looks and feels a little bit more like Visa's RDR. So um, I would say, you know, in terms of advice, if you're if you're already using Ethica, you should have this taken care of already. If you're interested in using Ethica, you're interested in a similar program to Visa's RDR, but for MasterCard, um, speak to us about Ethica and find out how you can get on that pipeline. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much, David, and thank you so much, Ben, uh, again, for taking your uh, time out of your guys' day to uh, give everybody a little bit of a glimpse into what's happening in the payments industry and some of the tools that Chargebacks 911 offers that could uh, help merchants and retailers. Um, just a reminder, this webinar was recorded, and we'll have a link at some point in the next day or so uh, that can be shared with colleagues, or if you were just absolutely blown away with today's performance, uh, you can watch it again yourselves. Uh, after about 30 days, we'll have this webinar available on our podcast, Charge Forward with Chargebacks 911, that's available on all streaming platforms. But again, uh, Ben and David, thank you so much for uh, stepping in and lending your expertise today. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, everyone. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good day.